0: Sundays. I'm Tyler and I'm surrounded by pots of meat and all the bread I want. But now God's raining down honey wafers from heaven. Today, Tim's here to talk about manna and the Lord's gift of Sabbath. But before we gorge ourselves on tons of quail, now that they've finished complaining and kept all the manna for themselves until morning, let's welcome in our favorite maggot infested co host Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Oh, that's good a day. Good
1: sharp turn for the word. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, he's doing good. Ew. Yep. yep. Ew. Tim's here. Hey Tim. Hey. Yay. Yeah.
2: Welcome back. That's <laughs> ah, good to be here. Yeah, been a while. Yeah, I think you guys either go on break or <laughs> vacation. Yeah. Or, yeah, right. The worst times. Like, yeah, and every time I pre I think yeah, it's I'm not taking it personally much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of vacations, you are fresh off. I am. A mm-hmm.
2: adventure to to England. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I don't know that adventure is the right word, but it was a – Trip. Yeah, we've we've been there a lot, and we planned this one so that we could – I guess the word would nest in one space for most of the time and then move out from there and come back. And it was just marvelous. It was everything – you know how you hope something is one way? And when you travel, all kinds of things can come up and change stuff on you. Yeah. This was everything we could have dreamed of and more. Yeah. It was just re- wonderful. And oddly, we only had in the spring in England, we only had about 1 hour of rain. Wow. Wow. And it's amazing. Everything in the we were in the Cotswolds for the first 2 weeks and everything was in bloom. And then we and it started to go down a little bit at the end of the two weeks. And then we went north into England, into the Lake District, way remote. In fact, that you guys, the hotel didn't have internet service or cell phone service. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why pretty we got nice. that
1: cryptic message from you.
2: Yeah, it just said "I." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I, why. Like, what does because, that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've probably said something, but it sent it when it had a moment. (laughs) Yeah. But but, anyway. You You, you
1: were trying to tell us that you were going to be unreachable for mm -hmm. a couple of days.
2: Well, yeah, I was really unreachable. But anyway, when we got up there, then the seasons had moved and then everything up there was in bloom. Mm. I just need to look at the birds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well,. And all of the sheep had lambs. Yeah, in Aww. the week before we got to the lake district, split hooves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got something for everything? And uh, the the landscaping, the landscape was overwhelming and completely filled with thousands of lambs. Wow, and that's pretty cool. It was, and. Yeah, it was really a remarkable time, a remarkable time. So So you were over there for three weeks? Yeah, a little longer, about three weeks and four days. And
0: uh, you and Jennifer used to live there, right? We did. We did. Do you go to the same place when you go
2: there? Like, you go there every few years, I kind of feel like. Do you go to the same place? Well, this time we did. This time, not usually. This time we went to a hotel, actually, Barry, it's, the hot- it's a hotel that we took your parents to when we went over oh, a few yeah. years ago Yeah, in the Cotswolds. And the place in the Lake District, we've been going to that hotel. So, well, first time I think we stayed there was in 1979. So yeah, you go to the same place. But, <laughs> but we, go to, we go to that hotel because we now know the, fa- the owner and his family oh, yeah. Yeah. and his, and, and they have a, they have um on wednesday night people come in from the countryside with fiddles and
0: <laughs> oh
2: my goodness it, it's in whistles and no i,
3: ha- I haven't been but from all the pictures I've seen, like all the pictures my parents sent me, the Cotswolds to me seems like if you think about like rural England, rolling countryside, sheep on the hills, little looking up, there's like a little chapel at the top of the hill. That's, Absolutely, that's the Cotswolds, and there's a there's a, a little pub on every in every town. And right, exactly. The picture I saw it looked
1: like Middle Earth.
3: That that's the Lake District. Okay. The, yeah, but the, the Cotswolds looks like the Shire.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So you, you, like you, hobbits.
0: Yeah. Can you describe what Middle Earth? Looks
1: lush, like? <laughs> lush with greenery, full of life. He's gonna
3: keep the raccoons out of the corn. <laughs> Misty mountains <laughs> and
1: well, hobbit holes. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, uh,
2: there was there were about three days in the Lake District where the clouds had come down and were just hovering at the tops of the mountains, mm-hmm. and. It was just, it's, I can't even describe it. It's so beautiful. And where we were is so remote. Mm. And so everybody gets up and has these huge breakfasts at the English breakfast. And then you go out and you hike all day. And then you come back to the hotel in the evening and in the pub part of the hotel, then people are playing guitars and fiddles. And Did you
1: can... bring your guitar in this No, trip? they
2: have a, gu- they bought a Yamaha for me. <laughs> oh, they've got one <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> they, That's ha- cool. they bought one for me about eight years ago so that I would have one because I've had so many musical experiences there. And the owner of the hotel is truly one of the finest British fiddle players around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's known as that. And so for me, I just start to play a tune and he just plays. Does. And there was a really cool moment right at the end. One of the the guys that's a—I guess you call him a bartender, but the the he works behind the bar in the pub and barkeep. I don't know. What the, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call him that. He's he. We we were just about to leave to go back south the next morning early, and he goes. He's behind the bar and he goes, just a minute, just a minute. And then he runs back into the back of the, of this hotel, I guess. And he comes out with my guitar and he sits down and he starts to play an Elliott Smith song that we know. I I don't understand it, but he started to play it. And Jennifer and I sang it with him and the bar, everybody was real loud you know, dogs and everything. And it just goes and all of a sudden we're singing, um, what is it? Waltz number two, I think is what mm. it is, by Elliot Smith. Mm. And we sing that song together, and it's so out of character, <laughs> but who'd have thunk it, you know? That's awesome. And so, uh, what is that? How's it go? I'm never gonna know you now, but I'm gonna love you anyhow. That song. It's just like God rules.
1: It, <laughs> it, it was just magical. In moment. in the storied life of Tim Ayers. Like, yeah, this, this is stuff incredible. Only so, so to when you. this
0: happens, is anyone taking video? Right? Oh no, we don't. They're take all too any. enraptured by the
3: magical like, moment. Jennifer's I will not say, taking I'll video. say
2: one time when I was playing with alone with that the guy that owns the hotel and your folks, Barry, were there. Mm-hmm. were they were there, and my wife taped some of that. Mm-hmm. We got to see it. because well, I, I can only imagine
0: to- it. And I want to experience it, and I probably never will in person. But I just—I would love to well, see what's going on when you describe. it. Yeah, I
3: this. will say this: we will I'm, I'm picturing—I <laughs> can't help but picture like fantasy tropes, like they're doing this, and over in the corner is like a dark elf drinking an <laughs> ale. <laughs> yeah. Some, some uh, dark l- local well, news I, of the I, goblin invasion. Yeah, <laughs> we could. Not, sh-
0: shall not pass! <laughs>
2: wow,
0: <laughs> Tyler! I, I yeah. can't wow. believe we had that. That
3: sabbatical worked so worked wow. wonders for your yeah, uh, reactions. Running spirits. on all cylinders. <laughs>
2: That's great. Sorry. Anyway, Tim, what were you saying? I was going to say that when we were there a few, about five years ago, four or five years ago with your folks and the Blevins, we didn't get to stay at the, it's called the old Dungeon Gill Hotel, is what it's called, mm. because they were full. They only have 12 rooms. And so, you know, you have to, you, it's hard to get a room there. And so we stayed in another hotel called the Drunken Duck, which is really cool. But anyway, <laughs> but, that, um, but we drove over there so that I could see Neil, the owner, and we could we played a song. And as I was coming out, it was the first time that anybody in my life had actually witnessed what we've been doing for yeah. for yeah. decades. It's what they and, say? Oh, they were taken. I yeah. mean, they were they were stunned. And your mom couldn't. Be, your mom was really moved by yeah. it. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything but cry. I just oh. wept because yeah. it was like four of our dearest dearest friends just witnessed. Something Something very very special to you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think I've told you this that Uh he he the guy that plays the fiddle is also like a a well known chef, and so he he made a batch a sticky toffee pudding for us special <laughs> while we were there. And he brought it out and he right gave us each world. this big, big of course. piece of sticky toffee. Is he, is he to- England's most, in, most <laughs> like interesting person sticky in the world? Because you're you're pudding. obviously like, yes.
3: like Central Indiana's most interesting yeah. person in the world. <laughs> Someone needs to make a documentary of the two of you sitting down with your instruments okay. and just
2: chatting for yeah. hours. Gotta, t- let me tell you something about that in a second. <laughs> but your dad says to him, I think I've told this story before. Your dad says to him, this is so good, I could kiss you on the lips. And the guy says, On the cheek would be more hygienic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Um, yeah, we were just, he, Neil and I, and and then there was Neil, and, let's say it would be me, wouldn't it? I don't know, grammar wise. And then the, ne- <laughs> the farmer next door who lives next door to this uh-huh. hotel, his, his name is Tomsey, who's cool. <laughs> we were having a conversation. And Tomsy. Ch- yeah. Tim Tomsy. and Tomsy. Does Tomsey play yeah. an instrument? Well, no, uh, no, no, but we were having this conversation and there were two people there. One guy turns out to be a professor of Wordsworth at Stanford and his wife happens to be the George Elliott Scholar at the University College London. Anyway, so, you know, these people are brilliant. And all they could say is, we need to get you three people on a podcast because people will yeah. listen to this yeah. stuff. So, anyway, yeah. it
0: was really cool. Uh, nothing well, that about does me. sound cool. Yeah. Guys, what cool <laughs> stuff is happening in your lives?
1: Nothing follow can that. follow that. No, nothing at all
3: can follow that. So, I, we're not going to try? I mean, I could t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. You want to hear about cool
3: yeah. keeping cool. So our <laughs> pigs have now, ex- well, they've already been, they've experienced summer in Indiana, but now on our farm, we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to keep them cool? Cause they don't yeah. sweat. And so they get real hot when it's like 85, 90 degrees. And so the newest thing is part of my new routine is helping to make a mud pile or like a, like a muddy part patch of, of dirt that they just roll around and oh, get yeah. themselves mm-hmm. nice and cool. It's literally happier than a pig in mud. It's, Awesome. Maggie, <laughs> yeah. like rolling around. It's, it's very, very cute. Someone's going to mm. scratch my itch. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's his favorite. That's have you guys ever somebody. been, bar-
3: have you guys ever been uh dive bombed by barn swallows? Yeah. All the no. time.
0: Yeah. Never Tim, yeah. Tim yeah. yeah. happened to you in the streets of Chicago. <laughs> <All the time.
3: laughs> I've never had that happen before, but I was, while I was out there getting the mud pit ready, I guess I was too close to a nest and they were dive bombing me and it was, really cool. Was it scary? Yes. Every time yeah, I yeah, looked of at course. it, if I was looking away, it wasn't scary because they're not actually trying to hit you. They're just trying to scare you away. Um, but, but like every time I look, they come straight at your face and then veer off at the last second. So that would be
0: terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a nightmare. Awesome.
3: Super cool. Love, yeah. love nature. Uh, last thing. I think I've got apples coming in this year on two of my trees. That's amazing. It is. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. It's Apples. My, apples. It's right. like the keystone plant of my entire garden yeah. started with one apple tree, mm. a, a couple of apple trees. And so these two are Wait, what does fruit. that mean? Like the first signal, it doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. When you
3: make a permaculture guild of plants that uh-huh. support one another, usually you want one kind of keystone plant that's like oh. the one that's the main, the primary right. of that little area. And so I thought I have, you meant like. Is that
1: because it like feeds all the other things?
3: No, the other things feed it.
1: Okay, so you really wanted it. apples.
3: Yes. Really bad. So I have an apple tree with support plants next to it. There's comfrey, there's like a nit- nitrogen fixer, some, some okay. lemon mint. What kind for of a, apples? They're like these Arkansas black dwarf apples. What? Yeah, they're like really, we're really.
1: Okay, to
0: dwarves.
3: We're back to dwarves. No, they're like these really dense, uh, dark purple apples i had one at the when i bought yeah. the plant i had that apple I i've never it. seen
0: or heard of a dark purple apple
3: I, i've only seen it that one those, time and i, I, call I bought those it plums I, no, no it's definitely uh, anyway so that's what it is yeah. and the other one is i i don't remember what kind of so that's is. happening
2: no this clue. year that's happening I for think,
3: you i think so i'm sure they're all going to get destroyed by pests and i'll learn a lot <laughs> the hard way
0: oh no <laughs> oh that's so optimistic, optimistic. What, what what pests are you fighting these days
3: oh Barn swallows. Well, but no, they're great. They eat mosquitoes. Um, insects don't have blood in them. <laughs> that's, that's good. But
1: their secretions Damn. are delicious. It's from always fun when- it Depends when, on the
3: insect, I guess.
1: That's what he said in his message. Oh, it's always right, fun right. when
0: like Tim or Dave or Amy come and visit and they hear sound How bites of themselves <laughs> from yeah. who knows a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. it's like, yeah. I never said that. Like, well, we've been listening to it ever since. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maren, what's new with you?
1: I got to go home this last week. Oh. Took a little trip back home to Chicago. Took my son. Uh, it was kind of a twofold thing. My uh, whole production team went to a conference at Willow about production. Mm-hmm. And like, this is like. It,
0: Dreams come true. It's
1: like a carnival for them. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And I. It's a church
0: production. It is. Conference. It is.
1: And so it. On one hand, you know, there's vendors and you get to look yeah. at the latest and greatest and cool gadgets and, and things like that. And then there's breakout sessions where you learn best practices and it's a cool way for church production community to come together. But then they had these breakout sessions that were just super worshipful and really like bonding and wonderful. And my whole team just left like flying on. Mm, that's cloud cool. Nine. Like they were just so full. It was super awesome. And then. I snuck away for a couple of hours to take my son to see our favorite band. Yeah, and that was awesome and super life giving and a, a homecoming because it is this band's farewell tour. Mm-hmm. So many people I knew were there. You turn around and it's like, ah, oh, like oh, just really? people I haven't seen in years and people who you know my son is eighteen now and can go to mm-hmm. these shows with me and yeah. they can't even believe how big he is right. and <laughs> it was just super cool. It was Good a lot
0: of fun. So does that does that uh? Maybe the answer is both. Does that like make you nostalgic for Chicago or does it make you like, does it fill you up?
1: It's both. Yeah. It definitely makes me nostalgic for Chicago, but it's, it's. Super awesome that I got to be there and yeah, yeah. That some of my friends are still around and well,
0: the good news is this band has been on their last tour (laughs) for like three years, so I'm sure you'll get to see them again.
1: (laughs) I do. I get to see them one more time. Yeah, see, there we go. Right, this is the last show. Yeah, no. So it's their it's their farewell tour, and they Mm -hmm. are playing a different set every night and they have enough albums to be able to do that. And that's half the fun. So my son and I've been following them as they've gone like up through Minneapolis. And I think they were in Seattle or something last week or something like that. Like they're moving and they're posting their set list every night. Mm -hmm. And Jaden and I are like, Oh wait, what are they going to play in Indy? We're so on their farewell
0: tour. Don't, aren't you supposed to like play the hits?
1: Um, not if you're this band. They're all all hits. Literally all hits. hits. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. All right. There's like not enough time. But anyway, Good. that was so, so great. He graduates in like two weeks, so we're we're mm-hmm. shifting into like graduation party mode. I don't really know. How to throw a graduation yeah, party.
0: Meatballs. That's all you need. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> little, little
0: toothpicks with the meatballs. Yeah, toothpick meatballs. Marcus pigs Castile's in a blanket. Marcus are son you're is done.
1: also graduating this year. And Marcus and I over oh, lunch just do this he afternoon, does. we're talking about what's on his menu. I'm oh, trying to go. like yeah. Yeah. gain Man, some insight. Man, Marcus is going to
0: be on cloud nine. This is two weeks in a row of giving him a shout out.
1: Marcus, we love you.
0: <laughs> two weeks in a row. Keep that lawn looking good, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Have you planned the party? You got. You haven't had like any like invitations sent out or anything.
1: Nope. Sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got Marcus's sometime in January.
1: Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Was oh like, no. He's Man. just
2: really confident of his <laughs> grades. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's it's all gonna come together in the end. I promise. But okay. We're we're getting there. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: Tyler, you've become a massive fan of camping. Yeah, After oh, this past goodness. Weekend, right? So
0: this past weekend, did I talk, did I say last week that I was going camping? I don't think you I don't did. don't think so. So I went camping. My sister bought herself a camper, a like one person camper. <laughs> <laughs> and her only wish for her birthday was that the entire family. What was, was that? that? <laughs> <laughs> Something fell somewhere. <laughs> the entire family would go camping with her, except she's inside. <laughs> she, She's in the camper. She's she in the camper. Okay, like Which sister a retro, is Tara, my sister Tara. She has
1: the most adorable camper.
0: Yeah. And it's a one-person camper. So the rest of us were going to go camping in tents and it rained.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh my other sister's nine months pregnant and has all of us combined have four children under the age of five. And uh My parents haven't camped in 40 years, so they they brought nothing to the table. And, uh, yeah, I don't know that we'll be doing that again. Sounds miserable.
1: (laughs) Tyler, when was the last time you had a good time outdoors? I like
0: camping. Outdoors. Actually, I was the most prepared out of anyone there, (laughs) except my sister who has the camper. Like, I brought all the cookware. I made the meals over the fire. Wow. Yeah. I was very prepared. (laughs) What I was not prepared for is sleeping in a tent that says like weatherproof technology and being soaking wet. Mm. I was not prepared for that, that part. Like you're sleeping in the tent and the, dr- the drops are literally hitting your forehead. Oh my god! From the ceiling. Yeah. That's and miserable. so did you have is- a rain fly? Yeah. It says weatherproof technology right on the tent. And <laughs> wow. I had that fly up.
1: That is that my only
0: experience with camping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it was good. I do like camping. I, it's Here's what's really good. You know, 364 days out of the year, uh, my kids are like, can I watch something? Can I watch something? Can I borrow your Nintendo Switch? Can I watch a phone? Whatever. Usually, we try to make the answer no as many times as possible, but mm-hmm. it's in the house, so they want to watch stuff, like Frozen or whatever. Camping... They didn't talk about it, ask about it, think about it once. So they're just outside living the dream, and that—that's worth going camping for. Yeah. So, but that was probably a one-time deal, (laughs) at least for (laughs) now, with with that group of folks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's what I did this past weekend. Um. Did we ever figure out what happened? Did somebody fall down out there?
1: Would you like me to go look? Nah. I think they're
0: upstairs,
3: (laughs) up in the uh, storage room, rolling stuff around.
0: All right. Um, so shifting gears, we are in week three of our series Breathe. Ground, Ground into, into dust. dust. Okay. And uh, Tim, you're here because you gave the message. Um, and I <laughs> it's still going. Still going. <laughs> I uh I would love for you to share with us and friends of the pod what kind of the big idea was. What did you want people to walk away having experienced?
2: Um I wanted people to have an understanding that God God intended for us to include Sabbath or rest in our lives and all that it could bring to us from the beginning. And he even organized their lives by virtue of the way that he brought manna around this, even before he'd given the law. And that it was – it's just – he says – To to be honest, it doesn't say in the Hebrew that Sabbath is a gift. It says, I gave this to you in the Hebrew, Mm. but the NLT translated as as a, uh, this is a gift to you. Mm -hmm. And so I I ran with that to try as best I could to get people to realize that this is not something that we do because there's a rule about it, but because God gave it to us to enhance our lives at a level that ends up making us trusting him. Yeah. More. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to do. Um, yeah, that, that's, and it's so, just an interesting story, but it, it organized their lives around a seven day week and mm-hmm. that's yeah what it's about. Yeah. So before you,
0: before you jumped into providing context and digging into you focused on Exodus 16, but before you did that, you know, you you took time to pray for the victims or those impacted by the shooting in Buffalo. Yes. Um, and as I'm watching this and I'm following along the start with the sermon, I realize you know we're we're doing this. We're praying for mass shootings. We're crawling out of a pandemic. There's a war in Ukraine. Mm. It's weird for me to think about God wanting me to live a refreshing life when we're surrounded by just non-refreshing. Things do you think it's do you how how do you think the message of Sabbath hits people like it it feels like like uh in in a in a good way it feels like um, whiplash Mm. a little bit
2: I get that I I would say this that God's intention of Sabbath is primarily so that we will trust Him at a deep enough level with. That he's involved, he's present and involved in the details of our lives, so yep. that as things are that the darkness around us, that we don't suddenly feel abandoned. Mm. That the whole point of Sabbath, particularly with the manna, the giving of manna, was to bring a trust week after week after week that he was going to continually be there present with them without. And we have to remember, they moved around and all kinds of things happened, but it, the manna never stops. Yeah. And that's a continual reminder to them that he's present with them no matter what's going on. And, and so I think that there is a connection to a deeper trust in the midst of mm-hmm. whatever's going on that can come from that. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking about mm-hmm. though. Of course, you know, I wasn't thinking about the tragedy in Buffalo when I was. Yeah, of course. The sermon.
1: But the Jewish people have been practicing Sabbath for centuries. I'm sure during upheaval and wars, you know, that took yeah. place during the centuries. I would be so curious to to take a look at what Sabbath meant mm-hmm. in times of disaster mm-hmm. um, or war or drought or famine or, or anything like that. This is a practice that has been going on, I mean, since the Bible days.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. And... I guess my assumption is it's a, it's been a lifestyle for some people and it was certainly uh, an attempt at a lifestyle for these folks. We're doing five weeks on it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, mm-hmm. it, it feels like to me, it's like, all right, life's going on and now Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, all right, whiplash because all this negativity is happening around me and I need to find refreshment. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what you said, Tim. It's, And we've been talking about this past couple of weeks on the, on the show anyways, but it's, it's about trusting God even amidst that darkness. So I do do think it's important, but I've wondered what people thought of it just in the midst of everything. Um, You provided a lot of context before you dug into the actual scripture of Exodus 16. So I had some other contextual questions I was hoping somebody could answer. Um, So this is the story of manna falling from heaven. At that point, how long had it been since the Jews left Egypt? One month. Just one month? That's it? One month.
2: And that's all it took for them to complain like that? Right. And and their complaining was a bit out of care, out of, we have to remember that they didn't, they had all their flocks and their animals with them. Yeah. Um, They could have milked the animals and they could, there were ways for them to eat. They were... Just longing for the plenty of Egypt. Mm-hmm. There, there was. A, I'm sorry,
3: I was just gonna say right before this, there was one other moment where they're complaining, and it's because, because of water, of water. Mm-hmm. The, the bitter water, yeah, the waters of Mara, yeah. yeah. So, so that they first. It's kind of like two parts of the same story, and then there's yeah. a third story where they complain about water again, and so those three kind of make up a little trilogy of complaint, right. and it's it's the point in the story where God is testing Israel. Mm-hmm. Essentially, to see will you trust me as your provider? So
2: right, I think there's an aspect to the whole story too that they didn't know him that well, right? Right, and that they there, we have no idea whether they were polytheistic in their thinking or monotheistic. Yeah. But this god, the the uh, gods in the ancient world ruled over specific spaces, and this. That you worshipped the God as you moved under His space, mm. and this God seems to be saying, "I'm going to go with you everywhere and mm. follow right. yeah. you." And mm-hmm. and so, since He moves with them, that's completely even the fact that He would He would get credit for what was happening in Egypt, and then they'd go out into the wilderness. And by the way, the wilderness simply means an area that you can't grow crops and such. Mm-hmm. Their flocks were able to live out there. But it's, the point is that they were dealing with a God who was claiming to operate or Moses was claiming that he was operating in a way that they were unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the whole thing is, do you trust that I'm telling you the truth? Yeah. And, but they're hearing it from Moses. They don't hear God speak himself to them until they get to Sinai in the giving of the law. And Mm -hmm. they they hear it one time and they go, don't ever do that again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so
0: and something i resonated with uh the jewish people is it's if if it's only been a month then they are certainly exaggerating like all right so they had just came out of slavery and they're like take basically take us back to slavery because it was better then mm-hmm. and something i resonated with is like the memories i've have of things that probably weren't that good but i like look back on it being like man that was those were the good good old days or good right. times uh, like they were wishing for Egypt, and when they were slaves over the wilderness. But I get I get caught up in like revisionist history, yeah. a little bit. And well, I wonder like, if that's what like they were doing. It's like
3: looking back and being wistful, of like man, the high school those days yeah. were so great because you could just had so much free time. No, you yeah. didn't. You were, and you then were, you forget
0: about dropping orange juice on your khakis, <laughs> right on your crotch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that
3: was my high school experience. Freshman orientation, I spilled it's an entire. Great. I spilled an entire glass of orange juice onto my, my khakis, my light colored khakis and I oh. had an orange stain. We're so- all miserable. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's it, you look back, but it's not actually as yeah rosy as it was, as you think it was.
0: And then my other question was, do we have, what is our guess or maybe we know what, how, like how does God feel about all this grumbling? Like it's been a month. How does God feel about that?
2: I think he took it personally. Yeah. I mean, I said that. Yeah. I said that. How long will I have to deal with this? Yeah. He's people? like, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, they had <laughs> seen, they'd seen the plagues work out. They'd seen how their world had not been impacted by all of the plagues mm. while it was happening all around him, And they acknowledged God is doing that. They acknowledge that this God that's talking to Moses was doing Mm -hmm. that. I think. Yeah. And then, and I don't, I don't have any idea how much the notion of this particular God traveled over from their forefathers Mm -hmm. into their lives all these hundreds of years after the fact.
3: Right. He has to constantly like remind them, I'm the God of your forefathers, Forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like that's who I am. Mm. And, um, but it's, Um, yeah, even when he, when Moses meets God at the burning bush and he tells him, go, go to Egypt, he's like, what am I supposed to call you? Like, what do I even, who are you? What am I going to tell them? And how are they going to know who you are? And so, yeah,
2: definitely things had drifted in their consciousness of God, of Yahweh. Yeah. And, and they were living in a world that had a religious system that was pretty organized that was over them in a In a very, I mean, that the Egyptian world was strongly controlling yeah. the, the world of the Hebrews. So,
0: hmm.
2: yeah, I, I forgot what the original question well, was. Well, my but
0: my question, um, is what does God think about that? Like, it only took him thirty days to kind of forget everything God had done
2: to bring them to the place they were in. Well, I think that the the big complaint wasn't so much about food; it was that He brought them out there to kill them. Yeah. And I get the notion that a God might not be down with humans because that's pretty common in the ancient world. The gods were not really interested in anybody particularly. They were more, they existed in their plane and we, we had to placate them in order to get them to act Mm -hmm. on our behalf in any manner. But so I can see why they might think this, but this God had already done all these other things. And I'd say the parting of the Red Sea is somewhat yeah. um, telling. Mm-hmm. And to it says that they saw the army of the Egyptians washing up on a shore. Yeah. And they plundered the Egyptians before they left. There were all kinds of things that happened where they had gotten a benefit from something that this God was up to. And so for them to say only reason you brought us out here was to starve us to death. It just seems a little, a little bit inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think they were mad at Moses and Aaron or were they mad at God? Well, they say they're mad at Moses and Aaron, but God himself says, this doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. They're mad at me.
0: Yeah.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard for us to, get our arms around what it would be like to have somebody in our midst who's actually speaking directly on behalf Mm -hmm. of God and
1: for us to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, and the type of complaint, it wasn't, if only we could go back to Egypt, it wasn't, man, I wish we were still in Egypt eating meat and, you know, bread, it was, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. (laughs) Outrageous. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And keep in mind too,
3: and this is, I, is always helpful for me to think about this. These narrative stories are part of the Torah, which, which is passed on from generation to generation Mm -hmm. to be followed by the people of Israel. It's not, it's not just the lists of laws in the law of Moses. The Torah includes this narrative, this, the way this is framed, the Mm -hmm. words that are chosen, the way that they are capturing this story is for the benefit of future generations to understand their place in light of Yahweh's provision and, and their response to the law. Every Israelite from, for centuries after this, who read this story should be seeing, Oh, that's me. Mm like oh that's us that's how we respond when we take for granted the gifts right. of god or whatever so so it's multiple levels it's telling us a story of what happened it's also saying dear reader pay attention because yeah. we respond this way and and yet god is calling us to to live differently to live a sabbath kind of life
0: trusting so Mana from heaven, food on the ground falling from the sky, or what, are the, what is it? Dust or something? It's like, like dew. Dew. Has anything like this ever happened
2: <laughs> again since? I've read some stuff where scientific people try to explain some sort of insect secretions that cause this to happen, yeah. but <clears throat> they those explanations fall flat as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, I know that everything that is miraculous, and particularly in the in Genesis and Exodus, in those things where those stories, people try to find some uh, naturalistic reason for them happening. Yeah. yeah, I think manna probably is not the secretion of bugs. Yeah, uh,
3: <laughs> I right. mean the the ancient <laughs>
2: perspective on dew. <laughs> <laughs> dew itself
3: is somewhat mysterious yeah, and yes. heavenly because it like, where does it come from? Mm. Like right. it's not raining. You surprise! Know, yeah. You, you go out in the morning and there's all the grass is wet, wet. like it had rained, but yeah. it hadn't rained. So dew is miraculous. And now suddenly bread is appearing in the same manner. Yeah, and right. I think that's what, that's he why
2: surprise oh you. Gosh,
3: this is a lot. <laughs> 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 um, so I think that's kind of part, I think it's less about like, oh, there must be some natural phenomenon for this. I think it's more about the fact that just like dew miraculously appears, so does this bread, bread. that will sustain you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wondered because I've never heard of anything like this happening again. And it, seem, it seems like it is just like a unique, miraculous situation. What do you think the, the point, like it seemed like God was doing this, but he gave him rules. Like, yeah, there right. are strings attached here. Why do you think? Why do you think what do you think the point of those rules were?
3: I think all of the rules, everything God is doing to the Israelites at this time is he is attempting to create a holy people, a people who are set apart. He is trying to create a distinct his followers are going to be different from the rest of the world so that they can show the rest of the world. What his intentions are. Yeah. So, like he they are to be a kingdom of priests, a, a holy nation. That's what that's what he says multiple times. And what are priests do? They represent God to the people and they represent the people to God. The Israelites were meant to be a kingdom, an entire nation of priests for humanity. Mm-hmm. They were going to be the ones that helped to represent God's intentions to the world and and humanity's pleas and and all of it to God. So I believe this at the very beginning of the nation of Israel being formed is God's attempt to form them into a different Mm, kind of people, a people who depend on his provision instead of on their own self-sufficiency.
2: Right. I agree 100% with that.
3: Yeah. Man, you were ready for that question. Right. I preached about it last week. I I don't know know (laughs) if you remember,
0: but. Uh, So, Tim, you said um, Sabbath is the Lord's gift to them and probably for us. And you said it gives life order. It gives order to life. Um, it reminds us that we're free. It gives us time to think about the many ways God is showing love and concern. It leads us into gratitude and thanksgiving. It's an opportunity to re- reorient lives around tr- trusting God. Um, and then you, you, I I really like, it felt good to hear you say, you talk about uh, how this gift gives order to life. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that means but also like what it means for you or for for us today what is what is the gift of order mean
2: the gift of order i think primarily it's the it <clears throat> it's in short enough the 7 days is in a short enough space that there is a a spot in that 7 days that's regularly occurring that reminds us of who it is we're trusting. We don't simply on a rare occasion have some festival when we think about who God is, or we don't have some, we're not, the uh, the rest of the ancient world operated on long stretches of time. Mm-hmm. And I think the order was that was given so that it would be a constant reminder so often. It's like, well, I mean, I know for me, I'm always going, oh my gosh, it's Saturday again. You know, yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of order I'm talking about that that we have a built-in space mm-hmm. where we step out to think about God's provision because we've stepped out of providing for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of order I was talking mm-hmm. about. I know that most people in the world previous to the seven day week, their order was just all over the place, and they didn't have any kind of structure like i mean they had structure, but it was based on something that they didn 't really understand. It yeah. was
1: a mysteriousness to it so i'm and, looking uh, I'm looking at your sermon notes. The gift was regular, purposeful work coupled with regular purposeful rest right that was built into life, you could plan for it and count on it and that's a gift. Right. Purposeful work and purposeful rest.
2: rest. Right. That, that's what sort of the big idea of what I was talking about when I was talking about order. Well, that is the big idea I was talking yeah. about.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I left from this podcast last Monday went straight to my, my hot yoga class. I haven't talked about that a lot on this pod, but that's where (laughs) I go. That's where I go straight there. And wouldn't, you know, at the end of an hour long class, I ended up having a half hour conversation with my instructor Mm -hmm. about the role of Sabbath in her life. Mm. Really? It just happened out of absolutely nowhere. I had no idea that this was something that she practiced. And for her, it involves with her husband and her mom and her daughter fasting from sundown to sundown and reading scriptures together as a wow. family. And Whoa. it was just outrageous. But we had just spent an hour mm. talking about Sabbath. And the very next person I spoke to was somebody who has made this purposeful, a purposeful rest. She
0: does this every week?
1: Every week. We talked about the, the preparation that has to happen in order for us to be able to purposefully rest. Mm -hmm. It's just a really interesting, fascinating conversation. Um, but yeah, I like that in your notes that it said that we could plan for it.
2: Right. And count on it. That's the, the part. And, and my statement about free only free people get to choose to do that. That that's an important aspect of the weekend plan for it because once your life, when your life is controlled by, as their lives had been by others, you can't you can't plan for anything. Yeah, your life is completely organized by other people's desires, and this is uh, a gift.
0: Yeah, I, that yeah, that's the second thing you you had brought up. Obviously, physically they were enslaved for hundreds of years, and now God had set them free. But if I'm thinking about today. Barry, what you, a lot of stuff of what you talked about even last week, like what are the things that are, that enslave us, so to speak, mm-hmm. that Sabbath could remind us that we can be, we can choose to be free from mm-hmm. and not that camping was like that, but what I was talking about with Milo and yeah, Lane, I mean, it's like, the technology. it's like, man, yeah. we could be free from all this. If we could just get out of the house every now and then. And
1: that's the other thing, the. The Jasmine, if you're listening, hello. That's the other thing that she does with her family. It's a screen free, yeah, sundown to sundown. That's wow. not part of their lives in that time.
3: To yeah. ask her how her kids feel about it.
1: Um, she's a seven year old daughter. Um, so I don't really know that she's like articulating <laughs> mm-hmm. her. This is just the life that she knows. This seven year old. Yeah.
0: Wow.
3: That's compelling.
0: Um, and the next thing is, it leads us into gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, I think that's true. I mean, Barry, we've talked about the last two episodes. You're about to head to sabbatical. Yeah. I just came from a sabbatical, which is, I guess, Sabbath, right? Yeah. Um, It's more
3: akin to the Sabbath year that mm-hmm. I'll be talking about this next year oh, or this next weekend. It's but. stopping.
0: Yeah. And I will say because I feel like because I was paying attention probably more than when I'm in the whirlwind or normal rhythm because I was paying attention because there was somewhat of an order of like every morning I'm going to do this and I'm going to rest in the presence of God for this long. And, um, it, a, a sense of gratitude. When I came back to work, I, my overwhelming sense and feeling was that I'm grateful to have had that experience, not just because it's time off, but because I, I feel like I was paying attention to the rhythms of what God was doing in my life and my family's life more in that period than I had even recently or maybe ever. Whereas like, yeah, that was choosing rest or choosing to be free from work or whatever. I can see how gratitude and Thanksgiving was certainly possible.
2: Right. There's in this particular story. There's the fact that they'd gathered two days worth of manna on the day before. Yeah, and then while they're eating it the next day, they they have a thank. They they can thank God for His double provision into that day. Mm -hmm. The next day, but that also that the space that they now have gives them an opportunity to think about all the other ways that God was taking care of them, and. Eventually they figured out their sandals weren't wearing out yeah. and then nobody's babies were mis, nobody was miscarrying with oh. babies and there's all this other stuff that's going on mm. while they're out there. And after years and years of it and it continually going on, they I'm sure that as they had that space and they stayed in the tents as, as you are to stay in your tents mm-hmm. and, uh, as they thought about things, I could start to see God's provision at a deeper level. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's the hope. I'm sure that's what the point was. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's, it's true for me that if I'm just out of control, busy and doing this, and it doesn't even matter what it is, I'm not very thankful about anything because I'm just not having the time to think about how God, I had such an a sense of god's presence in some details while we were gone, yeah, particularly because we the church in the town in Burford where we stayed was alive, but we just happened to go to an eleven o'clock service at the the big old medieval church in the middle <clears> of town, and we got there and it was an alive evangelical they would use the term differently than we use it, but it was an alive service of people who really loved jesus and and the pastor turns out to be a man who was friends with all the people that I studied under when I mm-hmm. went to Cape and And, and like, those are details that God had clearly orchestrated long before we made this trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he was preaching the one time of the month, that time that we chose to go. And then I got to spend hours with them through the next two weeks. And yeah. uh, all those things are something I need to be thankful for. Yeah. But if I'm so busy and overwhelmed, I don't have time to think about it. Just uh, I can't imagine how many sacred moments I've just had with people that I've just let roll off my back because I'm just too busy getting mm. on to the next thing. Mm.
1: Yeah. So last year in the springtime, we were in our tidying up series and this year we're in this, this rest, this breed series. And it wasn't until just sitting here now having this conversation that I'm starting to kind of draw parallels in my life between the two. I, I stood in the doorway of my master bathroom last night and looked into my closet. It's a pretty big closet. It's not like a walk in closet, but it's like the kind that takes up a whole wall. And I said to my husband, My closet. You
2: act like you're a big chef. My
1: closet (laughs) is a metaphor for my life right now. (laughs) Oh, no. Right now, my closet rod and the shelf above it is like pulling out from the wall, like about to collapse onto the, the ground. The weight of the clothes? Because I have gathered too much stuff. Oh, Uh-oh. No. I've gathered too much stuff. Last year, the tidying up thing for me had a lot to do with just gratitude and being grateful for what I have and making the most of what I have and paring down, you know, the things I don't need and literally feeling a sense of lightness as I shed things I don't need and I focus more on being grateful for what I'm given and here I am a year later I'm looking at my closet and it's an absolute <laughs> disaster um, so I've begun the work of of getting rid of things yet again and mm-hmm. trying to bring this gift of order back into my life yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I've gathered too much stuff mm-hmm.
3: and now it is maggoty and full of oh. rot just like the manna <laughs>
1: But I mean, is that a picture of like, just this, Tyler, I think I'm going back to your question of like, what are the things that enslave us and keep Mm -hmm. us from experiencing Sabbath? Is it the acquisition of more?
0: Mm. Yes.
1: Is it? Yeah. Like I, I feel great. I feel so great when I can come home and my house is clean and orderly but lately it has not been clean and orderly and that is not leading to a feeling of Sabbath rest. Like, but these are the kinds of things that take preparation. If I want to be able to enjoy and fully experience rest and Sabbath, there's some legwork I have to do on the front end, Mm -hmm. like cleaning my closet, fixing the closet, Mm -hmm. cleaning my house, whatever it is, preparing for a period of rest. Yeah. I think as we've, gone through these weeks that more and more is what I walk away with every week it's like okay this kind of rest is possible but it doesn't happen without preparation so what does that look like in my life how can I prepare and set myself up for a meaningful rest and not just Mm -hmm. you know now I need to go home and look at my closet (laughs) Well, did you, did you, I mean, your, your sabbatical came upon you suddenly, but did you have (laughs) any preparation you needed to do before? Barry, are you preparing as you go in to, to your sabbatical? What does that look like? Um,
0: I probably could have been more prepared. I just needed to adjust my, my own expectations of what I was going to try to do or Mm. what I expected God to do, but. Yeah. I'm curious to see what, or hear from Barry, like, what are you, how are you preparing for kind of disconnecting? Yeah.
3: Um, well, I mean, on the work side of things, I've been preparing by trying to front load as much as possible the uh, this month to make sure that everything's taken care of while I'm gone. Right. Like I mentioned last week, getting all the seri- sermon series overviews all the way through the end of the year taken care of. That means I don't have to worry you guys have the space you need to prepare for those series. Even mm-hmm. when I get back, I'll be able to reenter a little more gently, which is great. Um, but a lot of what I've been doing to prepare personally is just even just mentally and emotionally preparing for some of the things that I know will be a challenge for me. Um, I, I sometimes struggle to give myself the freedom to just rest mm. and just do whatever feels right in the moment to rest. I often get caught up with the feeling of like, all right, now I've got time off. Now I got to, I better go build that chicken run, like or now I better go fix yeah. the fence on the thing or whatever, you know, that's what I yeah. go to and I need to learn how to rest mm. at the same time. Um I I was speaking to my my counselor uh, who works with a lot of pastors today. He had a great suggestion which is uh being essentially focused on being mindful when I'm in the moments of doing the things that I love, the things that refresh me of actually just pausing and reflecting on why do I love this? What Mm -hmm. do I feel right now? Why am I, is this filling me up? And, and that's something that I know that's something I'll be doing during sabbatical, but even now I've been thinking about it and thinking like it is better to spend a few moments doing something I love that fills me up than it is to like accomplish a list of things that, 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 drain me. And so th- these are just mental things I've been working through thinking about to prepare myself. Cause I know, knowing my own wiring, I know what it's, what's going to be a challenge when I get there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, that's kind of part of the preparation I'm doing. I'm, I'm, for example, one of the things that I've been really just struggling with, this is ridiculous maybe to some, but I, I think, I, did I mention how my struggle with seeds starting this year? Did yeah. I tell you about that? So I'm just devastated that like 90% of the seeds that I started didn't didn't work for a bunch of reasons that I can fix next year. But essentially like I don't have the ability to have all of the incredible annuals that I had last year. Like I I got
0: plenty of bad news for you. Yeah.
3: That's what it feels like. (laughs) So like last year I was just, I, I was just, I had lettuce and kale, everything just Blowing up everywhere, it's not going to happen like that this year, and I'm so bummed about it. And I'm like, oh, of all years to not have the abundance in my annuals. But then I had this moment of realizing, like, okay, I don't have them. I, I could buy a few from the from Lowe's, and that's about it. Which I felt like a total idiot buying romaine from Lowe's.
1: I buy <laughs> romaine from Lowe's. <laughs> but
3: have you also spent a bunch of money and time setting up a, uh, the ability to start seeds of romaine so you never have to buy them at Lowe's again? <laughs> That's what I've done. And yet here I am going back like an idiot to anyway, do something Run, that remains very easy to grow is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, anyway, but, but like what I realized is, okay, I need to shift my, my mentality and, and I did, I'm thinking now, okay, this summer, my focus is going to be on the perennials. That's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the, the, the long-term plants yeah. and the, the garden as a whole. And I'm not going to be so worried about the annuals. The, the the ones that are growing will be nice to have that's not what I'm focused on. And so it's it's just the mental work of shifting my expectations, like you said, Tyler, mm-hmm. so that when I go into the sabbatical, it really is a time to listen to God and meet meet him and rest mm-hmm. and not burden myself with unrealistic expectations.
0: Yeah. I will say, Tim, you, you said, uh, you know, rest and trust in God isn't our culture, but we have the freedom to choose it. I will say, I think what I would have what I wish I would have done differently is I wish I would have brought like my family along in that preparation because mm. it was like Tyler's on sabbatical mm. what are we supposed to do <laughs> and yeah. so as you go Barry I wonder how you can include and incorporate Olivia in the like preparation because mm. you said last week like it's not possible for us to just decide we're going to Sabbath with everything around us, not doing that. Right. And right. so right. that's the kind of, the summer
1: is busy for Olivia and the work that she does. Yeah. That's, that's kind
0: true. of uh what I, a little bit of what I experienced, which mm. is like mm. Tyler's doing this, but everybody else is kind of moving on. And mm. it was, it was a challenge. I wish mm. I would have prepared differently that way.
2: I had the v- advantage. I was on sabbatical a year ago, I guess. Was, no, it was in the summer a year ago. And I had the advantage that my wife is no longer employed and we planned our time together, which was really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. You asked earlier, what is it that keeps us from rest? Yeah. 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 I think for me, it's mostly the, uh, since I I was brought up in this really strange milieu of the fact that everyone, and this is going to sound really weird. When I was in the fifth grade, it was discovered that the pastor and his brother-in-law were not only sleeping with lots of the women in the church, but were stealing all the money. Oh. And so when Faith Church, which is a local church, started, it started Marion's face. I'm
1: like, you don't have a soundbite for that? (laughs) Uh, You just dropped some devastating news.
2: And- That's a joke. (laughs) No, wrong one. Oh, sorry. Um, But my- Surprise! But what- (laughs) (laughs) what came out of it was I grew up in a church that was built and your dad suffered under this. When he was a pastor at faith church, they still Mm -hmm. had the same rules that all pastors are going to steal your wives or your money. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't trust pastors. Pastors were lazy thieves. They were, they were liars and you had to keep them at bay all the time. And they never earned the money that you paid them. And, And they actually shifted the, the whoever was the tr- the certain person on the board decided what the pastor earned each year and like when a doctor would be the person to choose that the pastor would get a big raise but when the next year the guy who was the janitor at best lock was in charge of choosing that the pastor got paid like a third of what he was getting when huh. the doc- and this is absolutely true wow. and this was the mil- the the soup in which i was mm-hmm raised about pastors. And so for me, I have always been fearful that I'm not doing enough to earn the money that people give out of their hearts so that I can mm-hmm. do what I do. And that if I'm taking time off and if I'm not filled up from six in the morning till dark, I'm I'm going to be caught sometime and accused of being that pastor. Mm. And that's what keeps me from resting. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. It's a fear that's been was beat into me for like the first, since I was like 10 Hmm. and still was, I don't know if you know this, but when your dad was a pastor at faith church, each pastor got two thirds of a vote in what anything. Oh, wow. So like it took three pastors to equal two votes Hmm. and things like that because pastors were not fully human. Wow. And (laughs) I am not infallible. And so I think yeah. that's always been a problem for me. I would, I will, I will suffer mm. anything just to be busy. Mm. And yeah, and that's, I mean, my wife is just done with that. Mm. Mm. Um, but I got a little bit of freedom from it. I'll be, let's just, I know I'm being really honest right about this, but I got freedom from it on my last sabbatical. And then when I came back, the tone was just so different that it it's helped me. Mm-hmm. It's helped me with this because the tone that it's not a criticism of anybody before, but the tone is just really different guys. Mm-hmm. And so it's like my finding space to actually just rest in Jesus and to trust him. It makes me a better pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a better pastor because I'm busy. Yeah. I mean, more people might feel like they have access to me if I'm busy. but That doesn't mean I'm a better pastor. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's been my biggest problem with rest. Always mm. has been the fear that I'm going to be found out to be lazy. Mm. Yeah.
1: I think that's a lot of people. I think you just described what it is for a lot of people. They will per- perhaps overwork themselves to be seen as a hard worker because right. the worst thing for them would be somebody thinking that they're not pulling their weight or or they're lazy. I think that, that that goes for a lot of us.
2: Yeah. Well, I haven't seen anything on this team that I would worry about people being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. yeah but it is it is true that the easiest place to be lazy is as a pastor because everybody thinks you're really busy and everybody (laughs) thinks that you're up to god's thing (laughs) Mm and i mean it is easy to be Mm -hmm. but but i and i've seen it at grace in certain pastors Mm -hmm. but i i haven't seen it in a long time huh Mm. it hadn't crossed my mind but you're right i'm
3: I think I'm going to totally be more lazy now.
1: (laughs) That's funny. Somebody somebody texted me after church on Sunday and they're like, I'm sure you're taking a hard-earned nap, but if you have a minute. And I was like, actually, I'm at Grace Kids Camp rehearsal right now. (laughs) (laughs) Can I call you as soon as I'm done with this? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, one time (laughs) last, I think it was about a year ago, One of my grandsons was just furious with me about something. (laughs) And he looked at me and he goes, I don't know why you can't do that because you only work one day a week and you (laughs) only work till lunchtime. Well, that's
0: what I thought. (laughs) That's what I thought before I came here to work. I was like, well, how easy is this going to be? What do you guys do all week? (laughs) All you got to do is Sunday mornings. But yeah. Um, Barry, where do we go next? What are we going to do?
3: All right, well, we're continuing to look at what Scripture talks about with Sabbath. This, this time we're going to look at the Sabbath year, which is going to be a fun uh, expansion, as well as some of the other specific Sabbath commands that have to do with uh, protecting the rest and Sabbath of others mm. in within your sphere of influence, including your animals, including the land itself. right Whoa. so it'll be, I think, interesting to kind of to get into that, all right, and think about the different implications of it.
0: Good. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here. Sorry the music thing didn't work out. Tim gave me a CD (laughs) earlier and my computer doesn't have a CD drive on it. And he said it's the only place that song he was going to play for us today
2: exists. And uh, I think there's some other CDs of it, but I don't know know that I have it anywhere else. I was just told that that particular band was digitalized from the original 16 track oh tape so wow that so I, I have to find out about yeah. it if that's available in any manner but
0: well you'll be back this summer because you're uh you're preaching quite a bit right i'm preaching quite yeah a you'll bit. be back we'll do it next time uh Marin, will you please send us out
1: i sure will do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your god
0: and we'll see you on the other side of sunday